Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Um, I want to introduce our special guest this morning, who's special for a number of reasons. Um, he's just special in general, but he's also special because he's my dad. Uh, this is Pastor Miller Cunningham. Uh, super excited to have him preaching with us. Uh, he and my mom, my mom Ginger, is here as well. And uh, Pastor Miller served in churches uh, around the country and really globe uh, for a long time. Arizona, Texas, Ohio, Tennessee. And now he and my mom run a missions organization called Sozo Coalition that does uh, kind of full wholesale gospel missions, church planning work around the globe. Um, but we're super excited to have, have him bring this word to us this morning. Um, and so I'm just going to pray for you before we kick into gear. Great. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would uh, anoint your servant Miller now to preach the gospel. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you would assist us as we hear it. May it sink deep into the soil of our heart and produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a, a terrific honor to get to be here today, especially because uh, my wife and I worship with you from Texas every week, along with so many others that are joining uh, online. And it's just been a thrill. It's one of the parts of coronavirus uh, year that has been a blessing, actually, for us, that we've been able to, uh, while we can attend our church in Dallas, we've been a part of your your church here, and uh, I recognize many of you by your masks. I don't have any idea what you actually look like, but uh, it's just wonderful to be here, and uh, we love uh, this church and love what God is doing here, and we have a real special place in our hearts for your pastor and his wife and wonderful sons. So uh, we're really uh, excited. We, if you're, if you're uh, not, uh, if don't have a church home, you're watching and you're thinking about uh, the things of God and interested to learn more, I commend Christ Church Madison to you and the people here. And even more than that today, as we get to go to God's Word, I commend to you Jesus Christ. I commend to you uh, the living Lord Jesus. And I pray that this today from, from his word that, that God will speak into your hearts. So I, if you would, turn to Isaiah chapter 64. We heard it read a little bit earlier uh, this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, every week as we're watching online, Scott will say, stop at home and go get one. So if you're at home, go find a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, Catch somebody here from Christ Church, uh, some of the staff folks, and they will help you, uh, they'll help get you one. So it's good to have a Bible to be in. And we're going to be in Isaiah, uh, the 64th chapter. Um, this, this is Advent 1, so this is the first Sunday of Advent, this season of waiting. It's a season where we articulate together this longing that we have for the manifest presence of God. We're we're in a time where we want to uh, nurture a, a deeper longing, a deeper eagerness, anticipation of Christ's return. And, and really, 
2020 is a year that's going to help us to feel that. Because has there ever been a year in recent history, at least, that has spurned up in us this, this desire, this longing for God to intervene into human history? And Isaiah 64 actually has some of that same flavor. It's, a, it's, it's perfect for this day. And, and contextually, just the context briefly, um, I, Isaiah, you know, earlier, if you know Isaiah at all, in chapter 6, he has this encounter with God in the temple. Uh, he's a younger man there in that time. This is a little bit later. He's an old man. And it's after a period of time where the children of Israel, the the nation was taken away into captivity into Babylon, and they return. Uh, they, they return to find their city in ruin, their temple uh, destroyed, and it's dark days for the people of, of Israel. And it had been a long time, actually, since they had seen God do mighty works. And Isaiah then pours out this lament to God. You, you heard it, where he He's saying, just if you would just pull back the curtain of heaven for just the briefest of time and come down, wouldn't you just just do it, do works again like you you did of old? And he's sort of standing in the rubble of the world that they lived in, and he's calling out in this lament. He wants God to be visible instead of hidden. And... uh, I, you know, I think probably for all of us here, all of us watching, uh, there, there has to be times that you've felt that this last year, right? Don't you look at the world and just have this longing, God, just like you've done in old, just like we read about, like we talk about, we tell the stories of your mighty works, wouldn't you just pull the curtain back of heaven and come? The verse 7 of this chapter says, you, you've hidden yourself from us, and, and we're, we're longing that we would see him. So this, this passage from Isaiah, we're just going to walk through it, and uh, it, it's perfect because it, it, it's contemporary for us right now in 2020. And I, I want to actually speak on this chapter and make it, I want to answer three questions and also give some ways that the answer to those questions, excuse me, that the, the answers to those questions can help us to, to obey what the Scripture is calling for us as we're in this time of Advent or of waiting. And the first question is, why do we wait? Why, why, why this call from God consistently in Scripture for us to wait? Even the passage that we just heard uh, from the, the gospel reading where Jesus is saying, it's just like a master of a house who's, who's going to go away and leave, leave you in charge, just as Jesus did with us as he left and said, I'll be back. He said, now, now be ready, be awake, because he's coming, but until he comes, we must wait. And the answer to why we're waiting is actually fairly simple, and it's that there's nothing in this world There's nothing that we have, there's nothing that we know that can solve the problem that we face, the problem of our sin and of our iniquity, the problem of our brokenness. If we could find it in this world, we would do it. 
But there is nothing in this world that can solve the great need that we have. So he's asking us to wait. Waiting implies this, this idea that we, we need delivering. That we see that we, the world's broken and that God is the only one that can come. We're waiting on the master who is left, just like the story there in Mark 13. So the reason we're waiting is because we need to be delivered. It's, it, there's lots of pictures probably you could have in your mind of what that might look like. But we're, we're the ones stuck. We're broken and, and cannot in this world find ways for us to be fixed. And, and actually, Isaiah is going to lay out in this lament in chapter 64. He's going to respond to this question of why do we wait with describing for us the second question, which is who are we waiting for? Let's go to chapter 64. Look at verses 1 through 4. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So who are we waiting for? First, we're waiting for the God who acts with power. The God who acts with power. He's going to one day tear open the heavens and come down. Isaiah's calling saying, come down. The mountains will shake. The nations will tremble. It's not just, uh, even Isaiah says it there, right? There's not another God like that. You know, God's not, not just a little bit more than us. He's not just a little stronger than us. He's not just a little more powerful than us. He's infinitely other than we are. He's mighty with power. This is the God that the Bible speaks of that's, that measures the distance between galaxies by the span of his hand, that holds the waters of the oceans in the palm of his hand. This is the powerful God who speaks and nature is subdued. This is the one greater than kings and presidents and governments and movements and empires. This God moves and acts with power. And when he moves, all things are subdued, are subject. He holds all authority, all power, all might is his. This is the God who we wait for because only a God who acts in this kind of power can deliver us. That's why with, with great hope we, we call out with Isaiah. You can hear why he's saying it, right? He's looking at his world and he's saying only, only a God. He says, no, no eye has seen, no ears heard of a God who acts with power like that. This is no idol that can't speak, nothing. This is not an idol, a God carved out of wood. This is not just a building. This is not, this is, this is a living, 
creating, all-powerful God who with the, the voice of His Word flings stars and planets into space, who perfectly created you, and who comes in power to act for you. That's what it says in verse 4. He's saying, God, just tear open the heavens and come with power. We're waiting in this Advent for the God who acts with power. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord range through the earth to strengthen those who wait for Him. He wants to not only come in power, but display that power on your behalf. That's why it's saying in Mark 13, we just heard it read, right? That this day that's coming, Jesus will come back in glory, with power in glory, he'll come back. And we grow impatient in our waiting when we have a diminished view of God, when he's no longer that kind of powerful God, when we think of him as just, you know, just a little better than we are. If you're waiting to be delivered from a diminutive God, then you'll, you'll grow impatient in your waiting. You know what happens to people who have a diminished view of God? They start trying other gods. They get impatient waiting because gods become small. So suddenly things like money and activity and things seem like, well, maybe that's the solution to our problem. But when we keep a great view of an all-powerful God, we look at all the things that are around us and think those pale next to the God who one day will tear open the heavens and come down. Job in the Bible, I love the story of Job where his buddies come to give him counsel as he's suffering. Do you remember that? And then finally God speaks. They're all discuss they're discussing how we should face suffering and difficulty. And then God speaks and God says, so where were you guys? You guys murmuring and getting impatient? Where were you when I flung the heavens into place? When I made all things by the might of my power? And, and Job ultimately in the end says, I spoke of things I didn't even understand. I misspoke. I, I never realized your greatness and your power. And I think that's the first thing that Isaiah wants us to see is that God comes. He will come in power. Here's the second. Look at verse 5. This is that God will not only come in power, but he comes in righteousness. You will meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you and your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned, and in our sins we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like the one, like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. When the Lord returns, when he, when he pulls open the heavens and steps down in power, it will be a day of joy for those who walk according to his ways. Because he comes in righteousness. 
He's perfect in righteousness. He's perfect in righteousness. And just in the same way as the God who comes in power that we obey, that we respond to the God who comes in power by recounting his mighty deeds in the past, we respond to the God who comes in righteousness by repenting before him. There's a wonderful story in chapter 6 of Isaiah where where Isaiah meets God in the temple and God just displays his holiness, his righteousness before, before Isaiah. And Isaiah's response back to him is, woe, it's me, I'm unclean. The people I live with are unclean. And I feel like that's what Isaiah's trying to say here. You're going to come in righteousness. Your holiness will be on display. And, and we see our sin, our iniquity. We repent before you as we wait because of the joy we will feel at your return. Those, our self-righteousness, our self-righteous works, the things we can somehow try to do, to clean ourselves are like filthy rags. We can't save ourselves. In fact, Isaiah says there, we're taken away like a leaf in the wind. And if you live in Madison, leaves and wind is something you guys know about. That's what he says, our self-righteousness is just being blown away. And the Lord has promised to return and he will return in righteousness, as we'll say in a moment in the creed, to judge the living and the dead in righteousness. Mm. How do we obey that? We repent. The God who comes in power calls for us to, as we wait, recount the mighty deeds of God that we of old, just as Isaiah has done. The God who comes in righteousness motivates us to respond in obedience to Him by repenting. And thirdly, this is a God who comes in mercy. Listen to this, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you're our Father. We're the clay. You're the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not our iniquity forever. I love this, that Isaiah uses these images of, of a father and his child. We're like, we're like clay in the hands of a potter. Our lives are in his hands and only he can take away our iniquity. John 1 says, for those who believe on his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. Our lives are in his hands and his, his return is delayed because of his great mercy. Second Peter Chapter 3 tells us that his delay is not slow like we count slowness, but, that, but because he doesn't want to see any uh, turned away. He wants to see all come to repentance. That all might come to repentance and experience the great mercy of God. And Isaiah is saying, he's calling out and saying, you're hidden from us, Lord. We need to see you in our day. And he goes through these things. We desire, Lord, and believe that you will come in power. And we recount constantly as we long for the all-powerful God to return. We recount the mighty deeds that you've done on our behalf. 
And you will come in righteousness to judge. And therefore we repent. And you will come and display mercy to those who have turned to you. Even your delay, even his delay today is a sign of his great mercy. That more and more would turn to him. So how do we wait? We know why we wait. And we know who we're waiting for. But I think the obvious question is then, how are we supposed to do that? It might be that the hiddenness of God today is actually the very preparation we need. The reason is, is that we have something that even Isaiah, when he wrote this, did not have. Is that the absence of God is not just a void. Today, while we're here worshiping, it's not just this blankness where we think we can't see God and we have no idea. The absence of God has a, has a shape to it and a face to it. And it's Jesus Christ. In fact, Colossians tells us that Colossians 1, that He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. It's as if the darkness that we live in, the angst we feel for the, for the all-powerful God to come, for the God to come and judge in righteousness, that, that darkness is the very thing that prepares the way for the light in our hearts. Isaiah wrote that in chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light upon those living in the land of darkness. Upon them a light has dawned. Isaiah would argue to us today that we are the very people most prepared for this Advent season. Because the hiddenness of God is not an empty void not since Jesus came and showed us what God is really like. And think of it. Jesus, his life, put on full display for us the power of God, the righteousness of God, and the mercy of God. The very things that he longs for. Hebrews 12 tells us, so don't be discouraged in this race. Don't be discouraged in this waiting don't be entangled by sin. Don't be distracted by other things. Don't grow impatient in your waiting because of uh, allowing God to somehow shrink down to something small. But what does it say in Hebrews 12? Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Isaiah shows us how Israel longed for God to be made known and that yearning was gloriously answered in Jesus Christ. And one day he will return. We're going to speak it together in just a moment. We believe that he will return. And when he returns, he will come in great power. He will come in great righteousness. And his mercy will be on full display as he gathers us to himself. Our yearning is still answered in Jesus. When we stop and look, we see the light of God in Jesus. And when we stop and listen, we hear the voice of God in Jesus. We have beheld his glory. 
the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why we wait. And that's who we wait for. And that's how we wait. We wait for God. We remember the past faithfulness of God and long for the God who comes in power. We repent of our sin before the God who acts and will come in righteousness. And we reaffirm our complete dependence on the God who is rich in mercy. We look to Jesus, the embodiment of all those things. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give you praise today as we wait here. And our prayer is with Isaiah. We pray together today that you would rend the heavens and come down. We long for you to come, Lord, and display your power like you have in old that, where the, that the nations would tremble, the mountains would quake. We long for that. We, we long for you to come and make things right. Judge in righteousness where wrong exists in our world that you would come and, and make it right. And we long to be, to be gathered to you because of your mercy poured out on us in Jesus Christ. But Lord, until the day that you return, we will give you praise we will fix our eyes on you. We will look to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We give you thanks, Lord God, and we worship you together in Jesus' name.